Well, no, it's this. Hey, listen, no, I'm not. It's not a no sense of humor. If people start listening to the podcast and they can't hear it, they're going to tap out of the podcast. So, like, we need to make sure they can hear it right now so that people go, oh, this is worth listening. You are fucking. Can you hear me now? Ready to start all over, Halston? Can you hear me now, Halston? Oh, maybe we should do the intro like this. I want to fucking kill you. I want to kill you. You guys are brand new podcast. Brand new podcast. Brand new podcast. Brand new podcast. Who's on? You you know what it is? You know what it is? (laughs) I fucking want to murder you. I'm so glad I'm here. Is this this close enough to the mic? You're a fucking asshole. You're a fucking, fucking asshole. Are we close enough now? You know, she did this to me today. You, um, so welcome to the podcast, everybody. It's been going on for a couple of seconds. We did one read and we had to reset it. Because I wasn't close enough. <laughs> to the microphone, not me. <laughs> Are you sure that's what you meant? Yeah, it's exactly what I Aww. meant. Uh, I'm very lucky to be stuck in the house with this person because my <laughs> wife, Leanne Christ, who has a podcast, Life of the Party, Wife of the Party, <laughs> Wife of the Party, has been trying desperately to get me out of a bad mood all day. Yes, since daybreak, pretty much. <laughs> tell him what I did. Tell him how I made my first cup of coffee this morning. Oh, he, tell me if he, this wouldn't set your day off, everybody. Tell me if this wouldn't no, set you off in the wait, worst way. Whose day would it set off? The person who did it or the person who had to clean it up over the course of 45 minutes because they were having to manage the person who did its personality for 45 fucking minutes? Tell them what happened. We have a, a Keurig. So he put the pot in, no cup, push go, coffee runs all over the counter. No cup. I didn't put a cup in. It's like the dumbest thing you could fucking do. I didn't put a cup in. Yeah. Took me forever to clean it up because he kept going, Leanne, I can't find the table. Leanne, I need you to help me. Leanne, I need you to help me set this up. Well, I had to set up. So for everyone that's wondering, I put it out. It was on my Instagram stories today. Uh, I did an episode of Hot Ones with Sean Evans this morning via via Zoom, and it was a it was complicated. I had to set up a set, I had to set a table up, get some lights, <laughs> and uh, and I had to put this table this set that we have right now. This is how we did it because we wanted to look a little more uh, a little more textured. So I had to do all this. I feel like I feel like he had to unfold the table. <laughs> unfolded the table he had to carry it from the garage into here it was pretty rough it was pretty rough he had to level the computer with a cd oh it's pretty bad i'm gonna fucking murder you (laughs) quarantine (laughs) she's oh my god (laughs) you loved every minute of it i you know what i love is like this is like it's this is like what i call a belly button moment moment like, I don't like people touching my belly button. It bothers me. Mm-hmm. And Leanne touches my belly button. And she, and she does it. And it makes it the most aggravating thing that could ever happen to me in my life. But when she or the girls do it, it makes me laugh. But I, it still aggravates me. It's like... It jars you out of your bad mood. And it's so... I did that again today. We had to do reads for some for... We had to do pickups for my TV show. <laughs> and... um. By the way, Leanne, uh, not spoiler alert, but we have a t- I have a TV show coming out on Netflix soon. Uh, and Leanne watched it and came in. And by the way, I've been very critical of everything I've ever done. I've been very poo-poo pants about everything I've ever done. And Leanne came in today and she was laughing ear to ear. 
like smiling ear to ear. And she goes, this show is fucking good. It's pretty funny. And I was like, what? She's like, I don't need to see your dick that much, but this show yeah. is fucking good. I think they should blur your dick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about that to them. Anyway. In the mic. Yeah. Just talking to Mike because these are Zoom podcasts. So I don't know if you know this, but I don't know if I said this or not, but we're doubling down on content because last night I woke up in the middle of the night with a panic attack at 4 a.m. Sober, by the way. Stone sober panic attacks suck dick because there's no like, there's no tap out. And so I said, God, please let me know that Rogan has put out a new podcast. And sure enough, he had with Eric Weinstein. I think I'm saying his name right. But it was, it was not the right podcast to listen to in a panic attack. But, um, but why? Because it was Eric Weinstein was, it was, it was, he's not the right guy to talk you off a ledge. I don't think is the right way to say that. He's, was talking about revolt and uh, civil discord. And it was, I don't know. It, I, by the way, I was going in and out. Revolt against who? The government. That's the, smart. Um, but you, I don't think that's very smart. Yeah, that's a bad podcast. This is my impression of doing an intro read with you. Ready? Say someone's name. Just say any name, okay? Ron Paul. Who's that? <laughs> Why are we talking about that? Who's Ron Paul? I don't know who any of these people are. Yeah, but, but you make me defend things that I don't need I to defend. I defend anything. I'm just stating my opinion. Who's that? I don't need to know your opinion. Anyway, uh, so we're doubling down on content. We have... <laughs> Why are you laughing so fucking hard? <laughs> You've been in such a shit all day I'm not a shit. I want to get on the treadmill. I, my whole thing is like I like having a little bit of a plan when I get up, and so I wanted to get up, get on the treadmill, and the day work started out, off bad. Work out, and I, I put in the coffee. <laughs> I put in the coffee, and then Leanne goes, uh, "What happened to the coffee? What happened? To, who is that? What's that? I don't know. What's that?" Who did that to the coffee? There's coffee all over my counter. That's what I said. And I went, motherfucker. And I said to myself, so this is how you're going to start the day, big guy. You're going to start the day by hitting start on the coffee maker and then never putting a, like, what fucking imbecile. And so I was so mad at myself that I wasn't going to get, because coffee's timed out. You got to let it cool down, then kill it, then get on the treadmill. And then all of a sudden, I got started getting emails, flooding my emails. Uh hey, you need, these pickups need to be done by dot, dot, dot. These pickups need to be done. And it was all my work. And I was like, I was starting. And then I knew I had to set up. I knew the wings were coming at 1130. I knew that I had to organize. I had to set up a whole set. I, had to, I knew I had to charge lights for the pl- batteries for the lights. It was like all these things I had to do. And it was just fucking pissing me off. And I never got to work out. And what I keep saying to him, which seems to be pissing him off too, is that you're super lucky to be working. Very, very, very lucky to be working. Except. I am very lucky to be working. That's all I will say. Yeah, you're really lucky to be working. Really lucky. I feel, I, I, yeah, I feel, but I feel like an astronaut because I feel like I, I don't, I get up and I just come back here and I start working at five in the morning and then I work until six o'clock at night and then I just go in and then I go to sleep. I wake up, I come back here and I start working at five o'clock in the morning and then I just work until six o'clock at night and I just feel like I'm not, like, I don't, you know, when you're busy, you know, what's interesting is when you're busy and you're getting in your car and you're going places. You're not eating as much. Like you're just on the go. And so you're like, you can maintain your weight. For me, it's like I fucking eat a bowl of cereal and then have some, what the fuck? Why? (laughs) Why is it? Because you get in a car and go somewhere and eat. 
all the time. So you don't really maintain your weight. But that theory you just laid out does not apply to you ever. You're constantly on a tour bus eating pizza. So you don't actually regulate your weight by going somewhere. That's an untrue. My point is, I feel like an astronaut. An asshole? An ass- you're being an asshole. <laughs> you're being a fucking asshole. You're not. You're. I love you, baby, but you're not as special as an astronaut. No, I'm, no, I'm just saying I think there's a lot of people that can identify with how I feel right now. Yes. And so I'm sharing that. That's I'm having true. a bad day. Yes. And when you're having a bad day in quarantine, it is multiplied it's because you have someone next to you who enjoys the fact that <laughs> just you've been getting a kick out of it, almost enjoying I it. I haven't. I just, you know, things affect you more than they affect most people. So sometimes things that are really a level three for you are like at a level 13. So sometimes in order for me not to get into your level 13, I find humor in it. I've been tired a lot lately mm-hmm. and I don't know why I think it's cause I'm not getting out. I feel like cause I'm always in sweatpants. Well, you know, in Malaysia, they're telling women that they should dress for their men every day. Uh. So maybe you should take the advice of the women that are given the women in Malaysia. You should not wear house clothes is what they say. I'm wearing sweatshirts and sweatpants every fucking day. Maybe you should put on like a sport coat. <laughs> Do you, do you think there's anyone that listens to this podcast that goes, I don't know. I think Leanne's cute. Or do you think everyone goes, oh, I'd fucking murder her. I would murder her. Maybe you should put on a sports coat. If you're looking for more Leantics like that, check out Wife of the Party. Streaming not right now, wherever you get your podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Oop. It's safe to say we're living in some crazy times right now. Anxiety is at an all-time high. It is definitely that way for me as we all self-quarantine to combat the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic. When we're stressed and don't sleep, our immune system weakens and become we become more prone to getting sick. And the best natural way to boost our immune system is through great sleep. And right now, it couldn't be more important to have a pr- product like the Whoop Fitness Tracker. Whoop is the best in the class when it comes when it comes to sleep tracking and even lets you know when you should be going to bed based on how strenuous your day was. When we're stressed more than normal, we need to sleep more as a result. Whoop gives us the insight and feedback to help make better sleep performance habits. Um, we did Whoop during Sober October, and I was, I was actually astounded at how bad my sleep was. I've always thought I was really good at sleeping, but I, I just am very punitive. And so I'd wake up and go, fuck it, you got a good night's sleep, not knowing I wasn't getting a good night's sleep, and that's why I was gaining all this weight because I wasn't allowing my time for my body to rest. And if you're stuck at home training like I am, Whoop has a built-in strain coach feature that actually sets exertion goals so you can optimally work out so you're not losing out on your fitness goals during this self-quarantine. Make the best out of this situation. Optimize your sleep and performance with Whoop. Sleep better with personalized insights and strengthen your immune system. Train optimally and don't get out of shape while you're stuck at home. For my listeners, right now, Whoop is offering 15% off with the code BERT at checkout. Go to Whoop, that's W-H-O-O-P.com, and enter BERT at checkout to save 15% off. Sleep better, recover faster, train smarter, optimize your performance with Whoop. Thank you so much, Whoop. I really am concerned about my sleep. I, I, 
I have been sleeping very well and I've been tracking it on my whoop. I've been sleeping very well lately. Last night was the first time I didn't sleep well, but I wonder if it's just because I went to bed at nine. Probably. You went to bed at nine? I went to bed early. I went to bed before you did. I've been going to bed before you do. I haven't been drinking lately, for those of you wondering. It's no. been 22 days. But I drank one day with Rogan. I don't count that day. Yeah, is that an exemption day? I talked to David Arquette the other day on, uh, on FaceTime Live or Instagram Live. And he goes, yeah, man, I'm done with booze. I said, really? He goes, yeah, I just done, done work for me. I was like, oh, congrats. I said, how long have you been sober? He goes, uh, April 3rd. <laughs> I went, <laughs> but today's like, yeah. oh. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, that was April 4th when we did the podcast. <laughs> That's funny. I, do, you know, do you want to know something interesting about David Arquette? Sure. Um, when he, his sister Alexis mm-hmm. was the youngest, I think, did a movie with Luke Perry when, when Luke Perry was like, 18 years old, mm-hmm. 16 years old. Luke Perry was like, you know, I was thinking about moving out to LA and Alexis said, just do it. Do it right now. Don't go home. Drive out with me. I'll let you stay in our house. Wow. And so Luke Perry dr- stayed with David Arquette That's when he cool. moved out to LA. And David Arquette booked a, a TV show on Fox called The Outsiders, where it was the off the movie, mm-hmm. the book, The Outsiders. And um, it got canceled and it got replaced with 90210. Shut up. Really interesting. I'm gonna have David Arquette on the podcast. We did a 45-minute Instagram Live. It was a little long for an Instagram Live, but I couldn't stop talking to him. Um, today's podcast is absolutely fantastic. I talked with A.J. McLean. A.J. McLean is one of the five Backstreet Boys. Mm-hmm. Can you name them? Aaron, Howie, Brian, uh, Kevin, and A.J. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Backstreet Boys were huge. When I started When I started doing stand-up, that, that music, that time period, that... I mean, I could name the bands that were big at the time. It was Limp Bizkit, Corn, Britney Spears, uh, Backstreet Boys, NSYNC. I mean, it was like it, that music defines that time in my life when I started stand-up. So I have a weird connection with them. That having been said, we watched This Is The End the other night. Mm-hmm. And, and at the end, obviously, if you don't know what happens at This Is The End, um, the Backstreet Boys show up in heaven with Seth Rogen and Jay Bouchanel. Bouchanel? I don't know how to say it. Jay Bouchanel and Craig Robinson. And so I remember watching that for the first time and the Backstreet Boys showed up and I went, how fucking cool. And you forget, you know, uh, we talk about the boy bands and we talk about, we talk about all of that. We talk about him starting. He was the original Backstreet Boy. Uh, We talk about, uh, we talk about everything. And we also talk about my favorite boy band ever, LFO. We talk about, yeah. oh, dude, you know I love LFO. No, I didn't know that you loved Oh, LFO. my God. There's a lyric in there that is, I was obsessed with. I've been obsessed with my entire life. One lyric in an LFO song. You'll hear that in here. We talk about his sobriety, about him getting sober. We talk about a bunch of things. It's a really great conversation. It's the beauty of these Zooms is I, I'm getting to talk to people who I wouldn't normally get the opportunity to talk to. And so we're going to make sure that... Um, we're going to make sure we put out as much content as possible so that you can, uh, you can tap out for the day. Look, it's, my job is not to talk to you about politics. It's not to do anything. If I can raise money by doing stand-up or being silly, I'll do it. Um, but my goal is not to – oh, my God, I should talk about the Adam Sandler interview. I'll talk about it on Two Bears, One Cave. I fucking screwed the pooch with Adam Sandler. Mm. It's on my Instagram. You can see it on my Instagram. Um, new Two Bears, One Cave is out right now, me and Tom. I spit hot fire. Tom listens. Um, new Bill Burt is going to be. Whoa, what fucking day are we doing that this week? Anyway, 
I'm doubling down on entertainment and we're trying to stay away from talking about the quarantine and the coronavirus. I talked to Adam Richman this week. I think we're going to drop that one Thursday, Austin. Drop this one tonight. Drop that one with Adam Richman from uh, Travel Channel host with me uh, when we were both. He was from Man Versus Food. We'll drop that one. We have a really cool moment in that one. We're in the middle of the podcast. Uh, the um, healthcare workers get off and you hear everyone in New York cheering. Really cool. Wow. Yeah, and then and then something's burning uncut on Friday. And then what we'll do is we'll start releasing podcasts Monday, Wednesday, Friday. How's that sound, everybody? Good? Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And uh, yeah, and these Zooms are pretty cool. And we'll keep doing Zooms and we'll keep doubling up on these Zooms until, uh, until we get out of this quarantine. And then for whatever reason, uh, when we go back, maybe we'll keep including some Zooms. And we'll do the regular podcast where we have people back in the house. Um, but yeah, yeah. And by the way, I'll have people in the man cave if it makes sense. If it, if it's one of my friends and it's someone I know and, uh, and we keep social distance away, but I think for right now it's pretty, it's pretty good. We're going to, these next two weeks are pretty important for the coronavirus. So let's wait till the numbers dip before we start getting back in, uh, in the man cave. My kids live here. My dogs sit here. My wife lives here. My wife lives here. I love my wife. I love you too. I do love you. <clears throat> I love you too. And I love the Backstreet Boys. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, further ado, further ado, I'm going to get on the treadmill now. Put your hands together. Today's podcast from the Backstreet Boys, AJ McLean. This is the Did you grow up in Florida? Unfortunately, yes. Dude, I grew up in Tampa. Yeah, and, you know, I always refer to Florida as Satan's asshole. Um, just, you know, growing up there, the humidity, the weather, everything was just, you know, I moved out here, California, and I think late 99, early 2000, and never looked back. And uh, I'll never, ever go back. I moved my mom and my dad out to Vegas to be closer to the grandkids. And uh, my mom loves it. My stepdad finally likes Vegas, but he was a Florida guy, so. Yeah. Where did you grow up in Florida? West Palm? Uh, I was born in Palm Beach and I grew up in Boynton. I went to school in Delray. Um, and then I moved to Orlando in 91. And uh, I met Lou in at the end of 92. So I was the original OG Backstreet Boy. So I was about a whole year before the rest of the band formed. And we all formed in 93. So really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm the so OG. Wait. <laughs> so wait, what? How? 91. I'm guessing we're probably the same age. So you were what, 20, 18? Um, I was, well, I'm 42 now. So. Oh God, you're, you're so much younger than me. That's so crazy, man. I see. I was in New York when you guys, when you guys, uh, literally were, were like, were like probably when you just popped, I had just moved to New York to start doing stand up. Right on. So it was when they had, they used to do this thing on MTV called, uh, who wants to be a VJ? Do you remember that? I do remember that. Oh my God. By the way, the winner of that, Dave, uh, Dave, fuck, what's his last name? He's in my hot spin class. I see him all the time. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah him and this kid, Jesse. It's so fucking crazy because I um I was talking to this woman that I call my second mom. She was my like acting teacher when I was growing up and doing like all my all my theater and stuff when I was living in uh, Palm Beach. And unfortunately, her husband just recently passed away like four days ago. And she was like talking about her wedding, and she's like, that was 31 years ago. I'm like, fuck 31 years ago i performed at your wedding i'm like 
God, it's like everything hurt in like an instant. I'm like, damn. All right. 31. Wow. It creeps up on you. You start saying to yourself, like, God, I've known you 20 years. What the fuck? I'm, I'm I like, know. I don't well, have friends. Yeah. Like my, my, one of my closest friends, um, he's my AA sponsor. I've known him for 21 years and it's just like, what the hell? Like 21 years, dude, I've known you that long. And I mean, he's 50, he's going to hate me for saying he's 56, but whatever. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's just, it's crazy how many people you've known for so long and how many that we've all lost touch with for whatever reason, you know? Yeah. So wait, how long, how, how are you doing meetings, uh, with, uh, this Corona shit? Oh dude, Zoom has been fucking on point, bro. Like really? I'm pretty sure everybody, like my oldest daughter is doing her dance classes every day on Zoom. Uh, we just built in my small garage. We built a full on dance studio for both my girls because they both take dance. So um, that's been amazing. But every day at 430, since this thing started, religiously, we have our little group of crazies that uh, sit and have a little hour, hour and a half meeting. It's And it's so funny. The first 20 minutes is all talking about Tiger King. And then the rest is all talking about sobriety. <laughs> Pretty much that's it. Or God, God bless his heart. but the black gentleman who's been the brunt of all the memes with his enormous penis out would yes so he is and the, i had no idea that the guy died i had no idea and i feel so bad now doing the memes but it's like we have this epic group text called circle the wagons and it's unbelievable and actually a few of us might possibly start doing a, a circle the wagons podcast but um it is just if this full text message, like this whole group text thing was ever publicized, people would lose their mind. You don't even need social media. The shit that we talk is unbelievable. Oh. Bro, we, as comics, we have, uh, we have a few of those that you get, you get, you get lumped into. Like, uh, I'm in one with Dalia and Segura about our oh, specials. Chris is one of my best friends, dude. I fucking love that fool. Dude, Chris is such a good guy, man. He's the greatest man. He's, he's, he is one of the greatest. And it's interesting because people's persona, like, I think I think you get you know this probably better than anyone, but you get stamped a persona when you start getting famous, right? And then it's really hard to shake that. And you may be a very different person, but regardless, people perceive you one way. And I think people perceive Chris as this like flippant, I don't give a fuck, good-looking playboy, like movie star type yeah, yeah. thing. But he's the sweetest oh, fucking dude. guy. So nice and so humble. It's weird how him and I. Back when I was physically on social media, I've got a social media team, but I took all social media apps off my phone almost a year and a half ago just wow. so I can focus on just being a father and just not missing out on shit. It's been such a dream. Like, I love it. I, yeah. I'm i barely on my phone now. But um, when I was actively on Twitter, he posted something about sneakers because we're both major sneakerheads. And then we got into this whole sneaker battle about who's got more shoes <laughs> and then, next thing you know, Chris had us as Backstreet um, on their very first live show when he had the show Undateable. And uh, ever since then, him and I have just been friends. Like, he's just the, the, the nicest guy. He called me one day to come be a, be a cameo in this freaking music video that he was doing that was a parody. And I'm just like, dude, whatever you want, I'm there, bro. You just got to bring the shoe game. That's it. So, wait. So, let's talk shoes real quick. Because Chris kind of got me he kind he got kind of got me into shoes serendipitously we had uh 
I'm not I'm I'm not an anything guy. Like I'm a I'm more this sadly, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure. But I'm more like a drugs and alcohol guy has always been my thing. Right. It it's uh it's interesting because I haven't drank in like 21 days, 22 days now, but not that I'm counting. I have as an <laughs> at an app on my phone. Yeah. But um, but not out of any other reason other than the fact that I want to be a little present for my kids in this time. Not, you know, I'm yeah. just a boozer. And when it comes to drugs, it's just weed. But my point is, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not into cars. I'm not into, I'm not into like kettlebells. I'm not, but Chris hit me up with this guy and he's like, yo, my buddy can get sneakers. If you ever need sneakers, he's a fan of yours. And all of a sudden I started getting into sneakers. <laughs> that's like, how it, that, that's how it always happens, dude. And it, yeah, and then it was like something really fun to do, sitting in my recliner, going through stadium goods or going oh, through. Oh, dude! I oh my god! Like goat, I actually met one of the owners of goat. Goat's based out in Calabasas, and um, it's crazy. Two of my closest friends, we started this little like squad of sneaker guys called the Dunny Crew. Dunny and like the Urban Dictionary is a homie friend, so we became the Dunny Crew, and it was sneakers were were like life, and now. My wife is just like, she's like this close to leaving me because every time a box shows up at the front door, she's like, another fucking pair? Really? I'm like, look, I stopped drinking. I stopped doing drugs. There's much worse things I could be hooked on than sneakers. But yeah. I, I collect as well. I've, I've never resold. Not yet. I mean, I might get into the resale game, but I, I've got, when we bought our house for almost five years ago, there's a humidor upstairs. And I don't smoke cigars except on the golf course, but it was all still fully functioning, temperature controlled. And I'm like, you know what? This is the perfect sneaker room. I can have all my sneakers presented. It's temperature controlled. They don't have to be in the box. And so that's become my sneaker vault. And there's quite a few that I'll buy doubles of just so I can put a pair in there and then I can wear a pair. <laughs> it's gotten a little out of control. But literally today, um, have you heard of the shoe surgeon? No. Okay, so this guy, Dominic, who goes by the shoe surgeon, is like a shoe god. And um, he basically will like take any pair of shoes and then he customizes them. Um, he just did the Travis Scott ones, but made them pink with like snake skin and leather. It's fucking unbelievable. So I finally got mine. I ordered a pair back in January and they just came today and the box is sick. It's got a skull with two surgical knives. And I'm just like, oh my God, it's the best. So, yeah, my, my wife hasn't seen the box yet. I keep the box in the garage. She has no idea yet. She'll see it later, though. So, wait, so, so when you got into shoes, like, well, how long ago did you get into shoes? Man, um, you know, back in, the, back in the 90s, when we were kind of at, the, at like, the precipice of our, you know, uh, career, like, 99, 2000, before this new resurgence, um, I was a Chuck guy. I was all about Chucks. And, like, then I had knee surgery on both my knees. I'm starting to get back back issues now. Is it from um, dancing? Just from dancing, wear and tear, you know. But um, I was like, I got to find something else to wear because Chucks are oh, so flat. Every fucking, every, I like, swear to God, every adult, when I talk to adults, it always starts with, I got, I had to find like a good pair of shoes. For me, yeah. it was Nike SBs and it was just that I was on my feet all day yep. and my feet were hurting. And they were, Nike SB low dunks were just like, the most comfortable shoes yeah, I've ever put dunks, on. Yeah, because dunks to me are kind of a half between like an Air Force one that like, like, like they have the nice thick sole, but they're soft on the outside, kind of like a, like a nice Jordan one or like a Jordan three. 
I that's that's how I started. It was all SBs. Everything was all SBs. God. Then I became a Jordan One fanatic. I literally have every okay. single. This is the same path. Colorway. This is the same path I did. So. Every single colorway of Jordan One is in my vault, and then threes are my next favorite. Fours are a little too clunky for me. I don't do Air Force Ones. They're just too heavy. Um, then our most recent management team that manages Backstreet also manages Pharrell. So I became a huge fan of the human races that he does. Now I'm, I'm a huge, huge Adidas fan. Ultra Boost. Okay. The best Dude, I'm telling you, we took the same path in shoes. I'm, I, was, I was Nike SB low dunks all day, every day. I had every fucking pair. Yep. If something came out, anything with black in it, because I liked, my thing was I liked wearing them on stage because they were kind of nondescript. And, if, and you'd get the subtle comment from someone Usually, like a, an overweight dude with a beard going, dude, sweet kicks. And you're like, oh, hey, there you go. Dude, like, I I take note, like, I've seen a bunch of your stand-up. I'm also a massive fan, by the way. Um, oh. But, like, my wife and I live for stand-up. Like, if, if, if we're not watching, like, a new show or, like, a new series, we go on Netflix, and it's just watching stand-up after stand-up after stand-up. And Joe Coy became one of my favorites recently. And... <laughs> I watched his live from Hawaii show and I'm looking at his feet and he's wearing the Prestos, the off-white Prestos. And I'm like, okay, only his true sneakerhead would be rocking those kinds of shoes. That's not an everyday shoe. So I'm like, all right, this dude likes sneakers. We got to be friends. This is, this is yeah. going to be fun. Yeah. I had custom, I had custom Nike SBs made for the, Hey, big boy, my recent special. Nice. nice. too. Yeah. Nice. yeah. I did really nice. Uh, I wish I remember his name. I'd, I'd give him a shout out. He's out of San Antonio. He does hats too. But, oh, um, nice, nice. Yeah, but I just, I just now, I've been getting into a, a Adidas a lot lately. Adidas are great. The Ultra Boost are great. The NMDs are good. Um, Ultra Boost are such amazing shoes. They're such amazing. Those shoes. are my travel shoes because now ever since they're my travel shoes, bro. Dude, I swear to God, we could be fucking brothers. They're dude, my travel shoes. hundred Florida boys always stick together, dude. Whether you want to or not, you always stick together. Um, yeah, dude. Like I, I would love to wear my Jordans when I'm flying, but now with the airports and how crazy things are, I get lazy. Although Jordan just dropped, it was about two months ago a new pair of Jordan ones that literally they just zip Velcro and then, and then they close. And I'm like, those are my Jordan one flying shoes. They're the easiest on and off, but ultra yeah. boost, you just slide them on, slide them off. Oof. Yeezys got into a little bit, not the biggest fan. I don't necessarily don't like the shoe. It, they're yeah. just a little off in size and it, it bugs me. So Delia is a big Yeezy guy. I know. I know. Yeah. It's, it's really swear, fascinating, but you know. Well, I gotta, I gotta. This is, this is. I mean, this is how white trash Florida I am. I got a line of flip flops coming out. I gotta hook you up with, dude. Hell yeah! I mean, come on. I get teased for wearing socks with flip flops. Nobody gets that, but that's a Florida <laughs> thing. It's such a Florida <laughs> thing to do. And everyone's like, dude, why are you wearing like sandal flip flops but with socks? I'm like, yeah. that's what we did in Florida, bro. Flojos. Oh my god! Those, you remember those flojos? Oh my god! Hell them. yeah, dude. Oh, it's so crazy. So I'm assuming, are you a Bucks fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are I you? Are, how excited are you right now? Um, <laughs> it's kind of like this with everybody because one of my bandmates is a diehard Bucks fan. Diehard. Wait, who? Nick. Nick's from Tampa. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, fuck yeah, of course. I'm sorry. But. Yeah, well, I, you know, it's so funny. I keep going, like, I forget that I know you guys. Like, I, like, 
it, you guys were an interesting group to follow because, and, and by the way, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put you in a situation where you'd talk trash about other bands, but you guys were kind of the first ones, you know, of that generation. Yeah. You guys were kind of the first ones. And so everyone thereafter, and I have nothing bad to say about the other uh, bands like that, but everyone thereafter for me was the, once again, I'm not meaning to talk shit, but like the Christina Aguilera or, you know, like, the the Jessica Sim it was it wasn't Britney you know you guys yeah, were I mean look there's always the yeah I mean look we like the whole media and everybody always pinned us against Insane and look same manager same label of course and the whole theory you know back in the day was never shoot what you eat and yet our label was doing it our management was doing it and we were just like okay we we need to move on from you guys because. We don't want there to be beef. And of course the media made it seem like there was beef, but like how he went to college with Christopher Patrick. I've known yeah. Joey for like 30 years. You know, Joey Fatone's a great fucking guy. Yeah, He's I a mean, great fucking guy. I, Lance, Lance and his husband are like two of my wife and I's favorite people in the world. Um, you know, Justin and I have been golf buddies for years. JC and I wrote yeah. on my first debut solo album. Like these guys are all good freaking guys. But, you know, we're so fortunate and so lucky that we've never stopped even when our bandmate kevin left for seven years the four of us kept going we did a whole thing with new kids on the block all these things and then vegas happened and vegas literally has just shifted everything for us and kind of put us back to that 1999 mentality i mean it's fucking insane and we're so grateful for it it's so it just doesn't happen for groups it's, like us it's such a fun it's so cool because like, you know, it's, I, I was trying to think, I was trying to think in like, artistically, you guys were, a, a, you guys weren't all the same. Like you guys had these like soulful, almost like a, not, I say Sam Cooke, but that's not, that's probably the wrong, but like Backstreet had like more of a soulful, everything felt more soulful. By the way, one of my first jokes is a Backstreet Boy joke. Um, that's awesome. was about how you guys used your fingers. <laughs> and it would be, and it was basically, I'd be like, you suck my dick. That was like, <laughs> That's amazing. One of my first fucking jokes. That is awesome. Yeah. No, but, but it's, it's true though. You know, we, we kind of wanted to emulate groups like Boys to Men, Shy, all the doo-wop groups. Bro, Boys like, to Men Lights. is still in Vegas at the Mirage oh, yeah. every fucking weekend. Oh yeah. I mean, those guys, I mean, I've known Sean, I've known all those guys, but Sean and I have become really good friends. He lives not that far from me. And we play golf together whenever we are both home and we're not busy with our kids. But, you know, those guys were one of the groups that we tried to be like heart, like heart, harmony wise. We wanted yeah. to be known as a vocal harmony group. And when we first flew over to Europe, there was nobody like us. And then back in the U.S., you had Dre, Snoop, Nirvana you know, the whole flannel thing going on. And like, there was no room for anyone like us. So we used to call the States no fan land because there was literally nobody gave a shit about us here, but Europe and the rest of the world loved us. And then from Paris over to Montreal, then all of Canada, then finally Montreal drizzled down into upstate New York. And next thing you know, the States finally caught up, but everything was overseas for us first. You know, when did it, it when did it catch up? 90, 96, 97 is when it really kind of finally caught up. We got we got signed to our first our first label um, in 96. 
ish, end of 96, beginning of like 97. And then around 98 is when things really took off for us here. But it wasn't until millennium because back in the day, your first album, that was great. If it did good, awesome. If it did okay, awesome. Your sophomore record was the defining moment of an, of any new artist career. And our sophomore record was our, was our millennium album, which was the biggest album we've ever had. 35 million albums sold. That's not, wait, is that, is that back street back? All that, right. no, that was our, that was our second album in the U S Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 Because we so that's we called had, back. That's called Backstreet, right? Backstreet Boys, and then Backstreet's Back was on there. But yeah, we yeah. had an album that was never released in the U.S. that we now call the Red Album, which was our first album that was only released everywhere else except for here. Um, you can't even find it. Like you can't find it at like Amoeba. You can't. You can barely find it anywhere. So, by counting that album, we just did our tenth album now. But if you're going based on what the U S knows, we've only had nine. So, you know, but the millennium album, that was our sophomore album and shit. You couldn't ask for a better sophomore album than that. Mid roll reads, mid roll reads. What are they? These are mid roll reads. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by hymns. Listen, if you have not heard me talk about hymns, then you simply aren't listening. Hims is helping guys look their best. Once you've noticed thinning hair, it can be too late. If that hairline is slowly moving backwards, if you're seeing a bald spot yet, the best thing you can do to prevent more hair loss is to do something about it right now while you still have some. Some guys turn to weird solutions you don't have to when you can turn to medicine and science. For Hims is one-stop shopping for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. It is time to write a new chapter in your life. And this chapter starts with you having hair. I started losing my hair when I was 22 years old. Jeff Hartley was standing behind me and he said, bro, you're going bald. And I immediately freaked out. I didn't know what to do. Back then you had to go to a doctor. You had to get an appointment, go to a long pharmacy line where you were the guy waiting in hair in line for hair loss. Now you don't have to do that. You don't have to deal with snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. These are prescriptions backed by science with licensed physicians and FDA approved products to help you treat hair loss. Here's the beauty. This is a company, Hims is a company created by a guy who knows that some men's health conversations are way easier to have online than in person. No more in-person awkward doctor visits along pharmacy lines. For him, connects you with real doctors online, which could save you hours. Completely confidential and discreet. All you got to do is answer a few quick questions. Doctor will review. And if they determine it's right for you, they can prescribe you the medication to treat your hair loss that is shipped directly and discreetly to your door. Right now, my listeners can get started with their first month for free. Go to forhims.com slash birdcast. That's forhims.com slash birdcast. Prescription requires an online consultation with a physician who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Offer valid only if prescribed three month minimum subscription. Additional restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Remember that's forhims.com slash birdcast. Birdcast. This podcast is also brought to you by the lifesavers in this world. Blue Apron. It is so great these days to have Blue Aprons waiting for you in the fridge. All the ingredients delivered directly to your door. Meals that are prepared by chefs with the recipes right there. I absolutely love Blue Apron. We have been Blue Apron family for how long? I don't know, maybe four years. As long as they've been, as long as I've been doing this podcast, we've been a Blue Apron family, and I love it. It's brought our family so much closer together. We have family dinners because of Blue Apron. Before Blue Apron. 
I, I don't remember us having family dinners like this. We did it just not as consistently and they girls weren't as excited about what we were eating. Never. Now they get so excited and they're honest. What's so cool is to have kids that are honest. If they don't like something, they tell you. And if they love something, they go, this was my favorite. Yes, that's true. Uh, what do we have? We had that, uh, the rice cakes the other day. This Korean pork with rice cakes. Oh my God. Cooking matters. Home cooking matters more now than ever. With Blue Apron, you can get peace of mind by getting these fresh ingredients, quality ingredients delivered straight to your door so you can cook a delicious, easy meal in the comfort of your home. It takes all the guesswork out of the dinner. Blue Apron has got your back in more ways than one. You choose from a variety of chef-designed menus, che- uh, ready-to-cook meals, perfectly portioned ingredients, lots of flavorful options, all sent to your door. Prices start as low as $7.49 per serving, and they're flexible. You can skip weeks, you can cancel at any time, and you can let Blue Apron take care of your meal planning so you don't have to do anything else. All you got to do is just show up and start cooking. Over half of their signature menu is stacked with ready-to-cook meals designed for a balanced eating. All meals can be prepared in 40 minutes or less, some as low as 20 minutes, and they create plans that work for you with Blue Apron's ever-changing mix of premium, plant-forward, vegetarian, carb-conscious, Mediterranean, diabetes-friendly, WW-approved, and 500 and Cali or less options any night you get to cook and spend quality time and enjoy great meals and night well spent. I will stand by that statement. I love when we cook a Blue Apron and we all go take it out to the couch and start a movie or we sit down and we all go, so Georgia, favorite part of your day? Least favorite part of your day? What are you grateful for? Isla, why thanks for asking. I, I absolutely love it. And, I, and I'm telling you, this is a part of our family that Blue Apron has given us. And I, and if you have a family, if you are single, now's a great time to sign up for Blue Apron. And you can have get a two-person meal plan and you can have meals for dinner and for lunch the next day. Want to try a meal kit but concerned, concerned about the packaging? Feel good about your food and your environment and impact with Blue Apron, the first and only meal kit to partner with How to Recycle, which takes guesswork out of recycling and is committed to transparency and reducing waste. Over 85% of Blue Apron packaging is recyclable, and 41% of their packaging materials are made from recyclable, recycled contents. They're also the first meal kit company to transition to drain-safe, fully recyclable ice packs. Feel good about your choices and create delicious meals at home with Blue Apron. Find comfort in the kitchen with Blue Apron and enjoy delicious home-cooked meals. Check out this week's menu and visit blueapron.com. That's blueapron.com. Blue Apron, feeds your soul. Let's take a look at their new dishes. Spinach and goat cheese stuffed pork roast. Are you shitting me? Fettuccine pasta. I'm going through a fucking pasta phase. I'm going through couscous stuffed poblano peppers. We just had this sweet and savory glazed tilapia. That was oh my good. God. The tilapia was through the roof. That was really good. Hanger steak, pork chorizo tacos, mm. blue apron. Feed your soul. <laughs> my fans know the progression of stand-up. I've talked about it a lot. But I would love to know this pro- progression of how you guys work. Because I have ideas. Like I have ideas. But I would like to know all the way to the stadium. So, like, for, I'll, I'll do it for comics very simply. It's like you do open mics, you get passed at a few clubs, then you can do the road as like a feature. You can you can host or do a do the road as a feature. You're making like six hundred dollars a weekend, seven hundred dollars a weekend. Then you get bumped to headliner, and you're doing like twelve hundred dollar weekends. Then it's like you get to like three grand. Then you start getting three grand plus bonuses, and then it takes forever until the day you get to theaters. And then theaters are a whole brand new thing. Right, but like. 
for you guys, was it was it state fairs at first? Was it we, high, high schools? Yeah, high school, middle school. Yes. So basically, back in the day, there was this company called ESM. I could not for the life of me tell you what the fuck that stands for. But ESM tour was like middle school tour, elementary school. This was before we even had a record deal. So the five of us, Lou bought us like a like a RV, basically. And we just traveled the country doing like, you know, after homeroom, all the kids would come to the gymnasium. And then here's this group of guys dressed exactly the same. Um, it was us, another group called EYC, and an, uh, this other group called UTI, which stood for you. It's not a, it's, it's, I know, it's not a urinary tract. Interesting name. It was, it, 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 I think it was uh, United to Ill. It was like a rap thing from Boston. But to this day, it's like, you, you do realize what else that means, right? UTI, it was us, HIV. Yeah, um. yes, chlamydia, and then Gano, which we all know what that one is. But yeah, so we started doing that, and then we had a show. I think it was in Charlotte, North Carolina. And after the show, it was like a club show. And there were some label reps there that we were not even told about because we probably would have freaked out and fucked up the show. And shortly thereafter, um, we started that particular label which was mercury records back back then that deal fell through so then we literally went from like building to building in new york to label to label singing acapella sometimes in the you know head of the label's office sometimes in the fucking waiting room we would sing at the opening of a pet store it didn't matter we did anything and everything we could to be heard and next thing you know jive records was like we want to sign you. And from that point on, even after we got signed, we then opened up for this guy named DJ Bobo. Um, his real name is Renee, but he goes by DJ Bobo. Guy's got to be pushing 60 now. Puts on the most elaborate shows. He's from Switzerland. So we opened up for him for about half of his tour. And I'll never forget because this was, my, this was when I was graduating high school. So I was 17. I flew home, got my cap and gown. Every kid at my high school did not know who the fuck I was because I was never there. I was homeschooled. So they're like, yeah. who is this kid? I never saw you all four years. I'm like, that, that, don't worry about it. And got my cap and gown, flew right back to Germany. And that very next night was our first ever headlining show. We had gotten so much popularity opening up for Bobo that we now got off that tour and kicked off our own solo tour. And, you know, 99 was, like I said, it was our biggest album at, to, to this day. Um, that tour was stadiums and it was in the round. And then, you know, just like I'm sure your, your industry does the same thing ours does, there's just waves. There's all these waves. And we were going strong till around 2002, which was when I went to rehab the first time. And everything just kind of slowed down. We had not stopped touring at that point for nine years straight. God. And we were burnt out. We we're just like, we need a fucking break. We just can't keep going or we're just going to fall and we're just going to break up. So we took a couple of years off and then made our next record, which was Never Gone. And then after Never Gone, Kevin decided he wanted to, he just wasn't, in, he just wasn't inspired anymore. He wanted to go start a family and do Broadway. So he left. We did two albums without him, a tour with us in New Kids. Then he came back, which was 
two albums ago. And now we just released our 10th album. And after being now almost 27 years together, this new album went straight to number one, which was insane. And we're, we're, we were in the middle of, pardon me, a sold out world tour. Uh, we were supposed to tour this summer in the U.S., but obviously because of the state of the entire world, that's not happening as of right now. So, yeah. you know, we're just trying to figure things out, but we just got off the road. We just finished our stint in South America. We were almost done with the tour. And our last show was for 45,000 people in Sao, in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And we decided, let's just postpone it. We don't want to put people at risk. We want to get yeah. back to our families. and so. I came home just to stay home. <laughs> you know, dude. I, I feel like I feel like uh, I remember. I remember when you went off the rails, like with drugs and alcohol. I remember that whole time. It's it it, it it's so interesting. I want to say I could be very inaccurate about that this, but I want to say you did a cribs when you were like on and off. Like you did a cribs. Yeah, I was when I did cribs, which was the first time I did it. Um, I was. I had just started. Got getting into drinking, but barely, like I'd only had like two beers. I didn't even drink on my 21st birthday. I was a late bloomer, as we say. When I turned 25, um, my grandmother passed away and I had already started kind of experimenting and she was my rock. Like my, I love my mom to death, but my grandmother took me to all my auditions. She literally was everything to me. So when she passed, I just nosedived into the bottle and I found cocaine literally the night that we shot the video for the song, The Call. Um, my call time was 2.30 in the morning, wrapping at sunrise, and I was exhausted. And my friend at the time, who's no longer my friend, um, was like, dude, try this. It'll wake you right up. And I was like, I don't know, man. I don't, I, I don't mess with that. She's like, just trust me. And it was like just do a bump, just do a bump. Yeah, and it was like literally the moment you put on those brand new pair of fucking SBs, you're just like, yeah, this is perfect. And that was it. And I was married to fucking whiskey and blow for a good solid two years. I didn't see the sunlight. I put blackouts everywhere in my house. I didn't even finish furnishing my house. I was so about the party life. And uh, next thing you know, it started to fucking go into the live performance. Um, I had red Dixie cups on stage. People thought it was water. It was just straight Jack. Nobody knew. I was hiding it from my bandmates. And then finally, really? we were in Boston and we had a day off and we were supposed to throw the pitch out at a, uh, the very first game of the season. And the night before, we all said, cool, we're all going to be there. We'll all go show up as a group. I partied that night, slept in. I told my tour manager, I'm not going. He said, I'm not in it. You got to talk to your boys. And Kevin, who's the oldest member of our group, broke my door down, tried to get into my bedroom, but I had it double bolted. We exchanged words. I, I wanted to quit. I said, fuck this. You guys don't know me, blah, blah, blah. And next thing you know, I went right from Boston straight to Sierra Tucson to go to treatment. And that was it. And uh, I put together about seven years straight and then started going on again, off again, on again, off again. And currently I'm coming up on six months. So, you know, six, what six months I'm coming up on now. Nice. You know, I finally, finally hit my bottom six months ago. And, uh, 
you know, I never really ever worked a program. I never really went to meetings. I just white knuckled everything. And I'm yeah. finally doing it the right way. And it's so wait, what's the right way? Like, what's the right way? Because I, I, I mean, I, I think everyone that knows me would that listens to me probably goes for drinks too much. And I quit drinking, but I noticed like today I actually said to my wife, problem has never been drinking. My problem is me. Like I've always written off the bad parts of my personality The Oh, I was hung over. Oh, I was like, right. my I mean, everybody says that, you know, drinking is a problem. If you're drinking, you know, excess, that's what an alcoholic is. And that's not true. It's, it's alcoholism. It's an ism, which means it's a derivative of not feeling good enough or not liking yourself or whatever the wow. case is. Um, I drink and I do drugs because it's symptomatic. It makes me feel better about myself in the moment, but I know that tomorrow I'm still going to feel like a piece of shit. So yeah. there is no, it's just a cycle and it's never going to break until I finally start looking at myself, which is why I love the fact that I'm locked in a house. I can, and I can do my meetings with my friends every day. It's just like work, you know, work the 12 step program, read the big book and just talk to another alcoholic every day. And I feel like, the best I've felt in my entire life right now. And I've been in and out of the rooms for 20 years, but I've never worked it the right way so much that like, I just did a, I'm, I'm literally in my second week of this diet that I want to fucking wring everyone's neck. But oh. it's, if I wasn't sober, I would never be able to commit to something. And I'm literally, I'm grain free right now. I'm trying to get completely bulked up and shredded up. I got nothing else to do. So, I've finally gotten over that hump of the of being aggravated and like on edge and the headaches and I feel great, you know, but it's, it's just, it's just a constant work on myself. And now that I have all this time to look at myself, it, this is like a blessing. It's a, it's a total blessing in disguise, you know? Yeah. Being this, this, uh, you, when you were talking about getting, getting, uh, burned out, like, and, and going like, fuck, I just want to quit. I, th I feel like I, I don't have an off switch. I, I just know how to work nonstop. I'm the same. And, I'm yeah. And I just go like, yeah, I'm a hardcore workaholic. And I feel like I, I even load my plate up so heavy where I go, uh, oh, we'll figure it out. And then I spiral out while I'm trying to unload the plate the next day. Exactly. Well, because, yeah, that was always something that I would do is take on way more than I could handle. Because I thought, oh, I can multitask. I can do 10 things at once. And I would never finish any of them all the way through. And midway through, I'd get burnt out. And I'd be like, fuck, I need a drink. Or, man, I just want to go and just go out, go out on the golf course and just not take any phone calls today. And I'm supposed to take 10. And, you know, now it's like I don't want to miss anything with, with my kids. I don't want to die tomorrow because of some stupid you know, shit that I don't need to do. And I just want to be healthy and happy and focused. And now whatever new project that I want to take on, I see it all the way to the end, put a, put a period, start something new. I don't just half-ass it anymore. And it's just, it's such a great feeling, you know? Yeah. What was that? What, what, like, what, this is a weird question, but what did you learn from that guy, Lou? Um, well, I learned quite a few things of what not to do. Um, that's what I, I feel like sometimes the most you learn when you're a kid is you learn all the things not to do from the people older than you. Well, you know, one of the things that like, like whenever I talk to like 
Justin Timberlake or talk to Lance or any of those guys, um, you know, we'll start reminiscing about it. And it's like, they were lucky in, in, uh, in retrospect because they came after us and they saw what we did wrong or what was done wrong to us and didn't want to make the same mistakes. Like we were too young when, when we signed with Lou to, to even look at the contracts and realize, Oh, he's, he's one sixth member, which means whatever I make and you guys make, he makes on top of that, he was getting a management commission. And on top of that, he was getting some other shit under the table from like different tour promoters. So he's tripled, yeah. he's triple dipping, but we didn't know this, you know, we're all young and we're like, Oh my God, we have a, a fucking record deal. Oh my God, we're going to sell out this yeah. tour. I should feel lucky. Why, why would I complain? Exactly. And it took one of our bandmates while we were in Stockholm, Sweden, uh, Brian, uh, to literally go, guys, I've been doing the numbers and this shit's not right. I want to sue, but I need you guys to back me up. And we're like, shit, man, if we do this, this could be it. Like we're right about to take off and this could be the end of our career. But we're brothers, so we're like, fuck it. We're going to do this, and we're either going to fall together or we're going to rise together. And we filed it, and Lou literally put everything on lockdown. He was holding our name. He was holding all of our gear. And we're like, look. And we were holding what was his one-sixth in a escrow account. And we're like, fine, okay, you know what? We're just going to pay you to get to just leave. Like, here's your money. Give us the name. We don't want to have anything to fucking do with you anymore. And I won't say what that number was, but it was a lot. And we got out of it and we got to keep our name and we got our gear and we never had to look back. And the only frustrating thing is, you know, now that he's passed away, he was in prison. When we shot our doc- prison, he, yeah, he was in federal prison for the biggest Ponzi scheme in history, in history. Really? Yeah. Um, he was doing all kinds of shady shit. Um, and a couple of people that actually worked for him, one of them actually killed himself, which is horrible because one of the blanket companies that he had was this like insurance policy that was going to take care of all of his workers and everyone else. And it was all bogus. So one of his drivers, his mom was ill. So she was covered under this insurance. And when Lou got indicted, all that went bye-bye and this guy, Frank, could not pay his, his you know, mom's medical bills. So he fucking sat in his car and offed himself. And so Lou had to live with that. And we shot a documentary about three years ago or four years ago. Or three, yes, three. And the one precipice that we really wish that we could have got to was that one interview with him in prison. And we almost got it. And then the warden shut it down. All we wanted to do was ask one question, which was just why you could still be with us. We could be sharing in the, in the fruits of our labor and you blew it because you were greedy. So sadly, none of us ever got to ask that question before he passed away. Um, but you know, I already made my piece. Some of my bandmates still to this day haven't, I made my piece after we parted ways. I was like, look, you know what? On one side of the coin, we owe everything to you. Because without you putting us together, we wouldn't have what we have. But on the other side, you fucked it up because you were greedy. You could still be in our life. You could still be. We used to call him Big Papa. And it's like, now you're, now you're six feet under, bro. You know? So. Yeah. It's so 
crazy. It's it that guy was such a. I mean, everyone, everyone, I think from the outside just looked at him and thought he must have been a pedophile. Like who's there were so injured? many allegations and so many things. I mean, nothing like that ever with with us five. But yeah, I mean, we were always at his house hanging out. He had like one of the actual C-3PO costumes. He had Darth Vader. He had a pool table. This was back when laser discs were a thing. Um, <laughs> you know, saw I saw my first born at his house on a fucking laser disc, and it was just like the most amazing thing in the world. You know, he, his house was like Disneyland to us, you know? Yeah. And we were always a family. And like my oldest member, Kevin, Kevin lost his father to uh, cancer a couple of years before we met Lou and, you know, Kevin had joined us and whatever. So it hurt him the most, I think, because he looked at Lou like a father figure and, you know, he already lost his real father. And now he's finally starting to look at somebody in that same light. And then you just put this blanket over everyone's eyes and it's just fucking horrible. But the groups that he managed after us learned every little thing that we got fucked over to not do in sync learned. And, you know, O-Town learned and all these. I remember O-Town. Yeah. I mean, all those guys, we were kind of the, you know, guinea pigs, I guess, you know. But whenever anyone asks us now, like in interviews, if you if you could give advice to some new group coming out, what would the first thing that you'd say? We'd say, get a good lawyer. You know, I mean, just be prepared because, you know, we did a festival forever ago. Got to be 25 years ago. and. The remaining members of the Temptations were there and they gave us the best advice that we've ever been given, which they said, look, guys, we hope that you go far, but always remember that this is show business. And while you're on stage doing your show, your business could be walking out the back door. So keep your eyes on everything. And we've always been like that ever since. You know, we now handle our business. Do you ever think of the list of bands like yours, the Temptations? Boys to Men, uh, uh, New Kids on the Block. I mean, there's the the list of like of bands are so it's so and then it's it's weird because society takes a break from it and then it shows back up with like K-pop and like uh, yep. and what was the what was the one the there's a one that's real big in England One um, Direction One Direction yeah yep. One Direction was fucking great awesome awesome bunch of guys super talented. You know, it was a, it became a different take on the, on the boy band name, you know, because these guys didn't dance, but they played instruments. Um, Five Seconds of Summer is the same thing. They played instruments. Um, You know, we had never heard of the word boy band ever. And we went to Europe for the first time. And that's what Europe called groups like us was boy band. We hated it. We're like, no, 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 no. A boy band from what we could see is a group of five good-looking guys. Two of them can sing. Three of them are tone deaf. They can dance, and they look pretty. That's it. We're like, look, we may not be the most attractive guys in the world, but we can really sing, and we can really dance, and we have five-part harmony. We want to be called a vocal harmony group. And the boy band name just stuck with us coming back to the States, and we've now obviously embraced it. If you know, if you oh, call us dude, a band it, band, it sounds perverted yeah. and weird. If I had if I had a, a nickel for every time I sat with fucking 
Dane Cook or Bill Burr or any of my friends and like we should do we should do a uh, like what if an aging boy band like you know it's so funny yeah because that was like I mean that was like that was like when all of our when all of us were growing artistically you guys were ruling the roost you guys were the I mean the shit thank you I mean we you know we've we've always tried to just persevere through whatever has been thrown at us and Lord knows from Three rehabs, deaths in the family, Nick's family alone. Um, you know, how he lost his sister. Brian had open heart surgery at 23 and was on tour three months later because the label and everybody else looked at us like a bunch of machines. And it's like, you know, now finally taken us a long time, but now we're in control. Now we make yeah. our schedule. We're all married. We're all fathers. You know, I did have the only girls. Now Nick finally has a girl. He's a, a three-year-old little boy and now has a beautiful little girl, Searsha. And I'm like, dude, you just wait. Girls are the best, but dude. also like, ah, <laughs> you know? Fucking. Do you have boys or girls? I got two girls. And how two old are girls. they? 13 and 15. Yeah, see, I'm not, I'm dreading that time, but Funny enough that you said that you know Patone. So Joey gave me the best advice in the world. So he's, because his oldest daughter is got to be 18 now. But um, when she was 15, she was going to go on her first date. And, and Joey told her something to tell the boy when the boy showed up to pick her up to go on a date. So the boy shows up and she opens the door and they're talking. And she's like, listen, before we go, I just want to tell you something. And the boy's like, okay, what? And, and she goes, Remember this, whatever you do to me, my dad's going to do to you. The <laughs> boy just turned white and Joey said he was in the kitchen going, yes, yes. <laughs> and apparently they're still a couple. So something. Oh, that's you know, awesome. That shit worked. So my, my, my babies are seven and three. So God. I. A long run of it. I know, dude. And my seven-year-old is already a teenager and my three-year-old is a three-nager. She runs this ship, dude. She runs this house, man. It's oh, I met Joey. I met Joey doing the Impractical Jokers cruise. Uh, he's good friends with Sal and those guys. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, and and then I, I met, I did, it's so funny. I did uh, Rachel Ray with um, uh, it, uh, 98 Degrees. And I used to have a joke about 98 Degrees. There was one guy in 98 Degrees that was kind of the, the, the schlubby guy. He had the Caesar haircut with the goatee. And oh, Kevin! Like the big- Kevin. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I said I was in getting hair and makeup with Nick Lachey, and I said I used to have a joke about ninety eight degrees, and he was like, "Really?" I said, "Oh, yeah." You know, like, it's like you guys were all so big. When I was starting comedy, really. So, like, all my jokes were based about pop culture, and I said, "Yeah." Like, I used to say I look like the the fat guy from ninety eight degrees, and he was like, "Wait, who's the fat guy?" I go, "You know, the fat guy, the fat guy with like the." The you know the the guy right, yeah. sing, not the good looking one you're the actually, one actually his name is you know, Dustin like, Dustin must be able to sing Dustin and he goes yeah. and then and and Nick's like I don't know who you're talking about and then the guy walks in oh god I was like oh like, never mind bye, 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 bye. that guy right there him the um can I tell you the boy band that I was obsessed with and I'll tell you the lyric why do you remember LFO yes yeah, so LFO so 
two of the guys from LFO were in UTI, that group, on the middle school tour. And they changed their name, thankfully, from UTI yeah. to LFO. Uh, Briz and Rich. Uh, Rich. So Rich yeah. was the Rich was the so Rich was the passionate one. He was the one that was like obsessed. Yeah, he was with- he was the brains behind LFO. So by the way, I can't I've been giggling about UTI for this entire interview. <laughs> I was obsessed with Rich. I was obsessed with Rich because there was something about he's passed away. He's yes, since passed unfortunately, away, yes. Which is horrible. And I think I've reached out and talked to his brother um since. But like this guy, and this is for people listening. He, you know, obviously their their famous song was the one um about Chinese food. Makes yeah, me I sick. like girls that wear Abercrombie and Fitch. Chinese food makes me sick. Yeah. But the best song they had was this song called uh, Every Other Time. And the reason why, and I, and I, I wish I could, I wish I could explain why this made me like. I love when art is a, it comes directly out of somebody. When when there's no cut to it, there's no punch up. It's just straight art. Uh, my buddy Mike Young has a great. It's a joke like this where he goes, "Do you remember we had that one kid that was always a lunatic? He always wanted to take things too far. He was like the real degenerate friend. You'd be like, hey, let's go TP Brenda's house. And he's like, yeah. Then we'll kidnap her fat dad. Yeah, and you were like. Like, something like that, you go, that really happened, right? Right. Rich had a song in LFO in Every Other Time that said, um, uh, we'll swim around like two dolphins in the ocean of our heart. Uh, I think about the time that we broke up before the prom and you told everyone that I was gay. And I just go, that lyric, I go, you know, you know what happened is he was passionate about what he wanted to do. He was obsessive about no, he was. his he And was. I guarantee you, he told, he, I, I've envisioned this so much. That he sat in a room with his girlfriend, watching your videos and breaking down what he loved about you guys. I mean, you guys specifically. I knew those guys. Now that I right. know that he I knew those guys, these guys are great, and I'll tell you why they're great. And probably went through what he loved. And you know, his girlfriend didn't understand him, and then went behind his back right before prom and said, "I think he's gay." He's like really into Backstreet Boys. Well, and he you know, wrote that in a lyric, and I have appreciated that fucking lyric for now uh, probably twenty years. Yeah, and it's a and it's a that's a great lyric, and it's funny because we actually ended up dating the same girl. That's a whole story in itself. Um, Are you serious? Yeah. Well, it's funny actually. Myself, Rich, and Chris Kirkpatrick all dated the same girl. It was in a it was a girl group that Lou had started, and um, and it's funny because one of our security, who's Kevin's security, um, he was an artist back in the day before he moved into the world of security. Um, and he was really close with Rich and all those guys. And there was a show on VH1, I think it was, called The Man the Man Band Show or whatever. And it was Rich, Chris Kirkpatrick, Brian from, um, from um, oh, my God, um, I Want to Sex You Up, like, uh, Color Me Bad. Yeah. And I think one of the guys, uh, oh, and then I think one of the dudes from 90 Degrees. And there's a video on YouTube of Chris and Rich talking about dating the same girl and then my name comes up and and like chris didn't even know this he was like wait what aj too like what is going on and it's the funniest video to watch you gotta watch it it's hilarious i'll find it it's hilarious i'll find it mid-roll reads 
Mid-roll reads. What are they? These are mid-roll reads. This podcast is brought to you by Me Undies. So you may have heard of Me Undies before. They're pretty much on every podcast ever. But besides that, Me Undies makes the world's most soft and sustainable underwear. They literally design undies for comfort and self-expression. So whether you're opt for solid black or a unicorn print, you'll do it as comfortable as cuddly as a kitty. That's an alliteration. What's an alliteration? That's when you have the same uh, consonant sound at the beginning of every word. As cuddly? Comfortable, cuddly, kitty, kitten. Oh, interesting. I absolutely love MeUndies. I, I don't wear underwear normally, but I do when I work out. And I actually wear my MeUndies by themselves when I work out. I love running in MeUndies. They really take care of me junk. Me junkies? Me junk <laughs> is taking care of me undies, And I almost, I get excited putting on a new pair because they do kind of, you can get a cool print that kind of designs your, is designed for your own self-expression. It's great. We did one picture, I think, of my daughters looking at me, me and me undies. He walked in the kitchen with uh, some me undies on. And it's time to end your toxic relationship with your tattered old undies. Me undies offers endless options for you looking for those people to up their undies game. You can choose from the monthly membership, build a pack, and you can even match your undies with your other half. No matter how, what you choose, you'll get soft, sustainable pair of undies delivered straight to your door with free shipping. Win-win all around. Especially when your kids see you in your kitchen in your underwear. <laughs> Me undies are made with soft, sustainable fabric available in sizes extra small to 4X for guys like Tom Segura, made from black to unicorn like guy, for guys like Burt Kreischer. MeUndies prints are made for your self-expression. MeUndies has a great offer for my listeners. Any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping. That is a no-brainer, especially because they have 100% satisfaction guaranteed. To get your 15% off of your order plus free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash Burt. That's MeUndies.com slash Burt absolutely love me undies and i'm not an underwear kind of guy so if a guy who doesn't like underwear likes underwear trust that guy me undies me birdie me undies this podcast is brought to you by policy genius i love having policy genius as a sponsor why because i think enough people don't know about life insurance disability insurance um car like not enough people know about how to get insurance. Insurance can overwhelm people. No, totally. There are these things we look back on and say, how did I get it so wrong, right? It might be wearing multiple polo shorts or popping all the collars, donating to the Tacony 2012, or dating that one person that one time. She did that, not me. You know the one. We're always getting things wrong. That is just life. But there's also things we can get right on the first try, like shopping for life insurance. That's where Policy Genius comes in. See, this is why I love Policy Genius. I was overwhelmed when my dad told me I needed life insurance. I was so overwhelmed, I almost didn't get it. Yeah. And then one day, I was sitting in a coffee shop, and my dad called me, and he said, stop being a fucking dickhead. He said, you need life insurance. If something happens to you, and I know you don't want to think about that, but if something happens to you, you need to take care of your family. You need to be a man right now. And I was like, I don't know what to do. He goes, I'll just take care of it. So him and Leanne took care of life insurance. And for me, and not everyone has my dad and Leanne in their corner. Some of you need Policy Genius. Policy Genius makes finding the right, right life insurance a breeze. In minutes, you can compare quotes from the top insurers to find your best price. You can save literally $1,500 or more a year 
by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape for free. You heard me right, for free. That is like having Leanne and my dad in your corner. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. They can also help you find the right home insurance, auto insurance, and or something I need very bad, disability insurance. Not now because I'm super healthy, so I'm in great shape, but disability insurance. So even if you look back on your triple denim days in distress, you'll never be distressed when it comes to life insurance with Policy Genius. In just a few minutes, you can find your best price and apply at policygenius.com. We all get things wrong from time to time. Even I've had a few mistakable outfits, but at least we can get life insurance right with policygenius.com. But it's so funny, like, you know, so many, so many of my guy friends today are like, bro, I've been a fan of y'all's music since you guys started. And obviously in high school and middle school, it, it wasn't cool to like the Backstreet Boys, you know, like even though we did, we didn't say anything. And my best friend of like childhood best friend, my best man at my wedding was a huge, he loved us. He loved Insane, He loved LFO. He loved all of them. And, you know, it's just interesting that like, here we are two grown men and you're telling me about, loving an LFO record. I think that's amazing. It's amazing. Oh, dude, I loved, well, you know, like, I, so I was in a band in college, kicked out, of the, out the guitarist. He formed a band called Creed, but, um, nice. Orlando. Band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're and, talking about. And he still, yeah, as, Mark, as far as I know, he still lives in Orlando. Mark Trevani, I think he does. I just heard him. He's, he denies it ever happened, but trust me, me, Brent Bracken, Dave, John Dacre, and uh, Ben Carter. It was the highlight of our lives. Nice. The, uh, I would have been a rip-off Limp Biscuit band in a second. <laughs> That's amazing. Second. But, um, but, you know, I, I, it's, you can't deny good music. Good music that gets stuck in your head where you keep saying it over and over again. We were watching, two nights ago, I was watching with the girls, um, This Is The End. And at the end, yeah. in heaven, you guys show up. And Leanne and I just, my wife and I just start singing and we know every fucking word. And my daughters, obviously, <laughs> weren't even born when you guys were at yeah. your... At even, and they're like, wait, how do you know this? And my wife's like, oh, honey, you don't know the Backstreet Boys? And she, <laughs> my daughters are like, what? So my wife's been playing it on repeat in Oh, that's house. awesome, dude. Well, it's funny. But, like, So when I got a, I got a text from, uh, from uh, Seth about us being in the film, and he's like, dude, we had an ending and it sucks. And we reference you guys in the first 10 minutes of the film. He's like, would you do this? And I'm like, I'm, I'm definitely in. Let me, let me tell the fellas. Let's see what the script is. We loved it. Went shot in like six, seven hours. Taught, taught all those guys the fucking choreography. Craig and all those guys. Jay, Jay's from Canada, as is Seth. But Jay's from Canada. He's the biggest Backstreet Boy fan. And I love the dude to death. He knew the choreography already. We didn't have, we, there was no teaching Jay. Like Jay knew the choreography, which was amazing. Yeah. But when the film came out, I saw the screener, but I wanted to go see it like in theaters. And the only available showing was at the Arclight on over in Hollywood, but in the 21 and up theater where they sell alcohol. Oh, yeah. And I'm, so I go in with my, with my now wife and a couple of our friends and it's like 12 dudes. And that's it. 
and they're all drinking. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And our scene comes up and I just start sinking into my chair. Like, don't look this direction. <laughs> and three of the dudes stand up and just start singing it at the top of their lungs, word for word, verbatim. And I'm just like sitting in the back, like all proud. I'm like, yeah, that's me, motherfucker, right there. <laughs> and it was just like such a great turning point. That's what really kicked off this new kind of upswing for us was that was the first thing. Vegas happened after that. And just everything else is just falling, you know, it's just falling into place. But doing that was so much fun, man. Oh, my oh God. dude, it was so, it was, I mean, like, uh, it's such a nod to like, I, I'd say our my childhood, but it's not my childhood. It's my youthful adultness. It's like right. when all the formative decisions I made that turned me into the man I am today were made is then. Exactly. And, it, and, and I mean, I, even I knew it was coming up and I got teary eyed and was giggling. That's awesome. Like going, Fuck. It's, it's just like, it's. It's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. It's like, it's what, what's your dream? Totally. It, it, exactly. Yeah. And it's like trying to explain to my daughters now. My oldest one gets it. My younger is starting to get it now. But like trying to really explain what daddy does. And like, because my oldest used to get really annoyed if we'd be out on a daddy-daughter date and a couple of women would come up and say, hey, can I get your picture? And she'd be like, no, he's my dad. You can't talk to him. Now she yeah. wants to be in all the pictures. But like, you know, trying to explain what daddy does. And now the fact that my oldest is literally me, she loves to sing, dance. She's writing music right now. Like I'm blown away. And, and this is all what she wants to do. I would never say, this is what you're going to do. Uh, that's not the kind of dad I am. Like I want my kids to be whoever they want to be. And I'll support you. Gay, straight, doctor, lawyer, doesn't matter. But yeah, um, it's just really interesting to me, like how, like I'm 42, but I still, I'm, I'm such a dork. I'm such a big kid. Like I woke up the other morning going, okay, you're 42. Maybe start acting a little bit like you're 42, but I'm always going to be youthful. Don't act like a child, but feel like a child. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And it's just awesome. Like watching movies that bring me back to a moment, like you said, like this, like watching the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Like I tried to show my oldest Ghostbusters and she walked out in 10 minutes. I'm like, in time, in time, you yeah. will appreciate the excellence that is that movie. You know, like I, I always quote, we came, we saw, we kicked its ass. And she has no <laughs> idea what I'm talking about, you know? Yeah. So what's, what was it like when being in a band? I always, I had a moment one time I was in Boston and, and I was doing the Wilbur. It was the first time I did the Wilbur. One show, sold it out. I was so proud of myself. But I stood backstage where the heaters are and I thought, it's just me. Like, it's always been just me. Like, ultimately, I have no one to high five. I have no one to like hug it out with and go, we got here. It's always, I always just go, it's it's a weird feeling because I'm not I'm a person who likes to be around groups. I'd be in a group if I could, but I always go. So you, you did it, congrats! Like, what's it like being in a band like with, with I mean, teammates? Well, you 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 just said it. It's a fucking team. We're you know family. We're brothers. This was a, this was everyone's first marriage. Um, you know, I mean, 
most of us were single when this whole thing started. A couple of the guys had girlfriends. One of them's girlfriends now is wife. But, you know, we fight like brothers. We laugh like brothers. We've gotten drunk like brothers. We've done everything like family. Um, and because of that, there's this newfound respect now. All of us married, all of us fathers. This new level of communication that happens now that didn't happen in the, in the very beginning because we were all just so excited that we're actually doing this. And then when that kind of lull came, it was like, you know what? We have about three months off. I love you, but please don't call me. You know, like, I just want a break from you. Um, you know, we've gone from all being on the same tour bus to now having our own buses, but that's because we have families. People think, oh God, they're, they're on their own buses. They, there must be turmoil. I'm like, no, we just, all five of us and our nine kids, that's not going to happen. We would want to, then we want to yeah. kill you. But it is nice to know, like, after a show, you feel one of these on your shoulder going, dude, you fucking killed it tonight. Or man, you sounded great tonight. You know, last night you sounded like shit, but tonight you sounded great. You know, but yeah. like, it is nice. But at, at, at the end of the day, though, when we get back from the show and we shower and or in our rooms, you've you've still got to have that moment for yourself. At least I do, because I'm I'm a super insecure person. But to be able to have that moment by myself and look at myself in the mirror and go, "You did a good job today. You, like you actually did a really, pardon me, like a really good show. You kind of messed up here, but you made up for it over here." And I never used to be able to do that, where I could you know pat myself on the back. Um, you know, I pat my wife on the back daily because she's a fucking superwoman you know now with the schooling thing and everything how things are going right now like uh, i i i won't even attempt it and she's killing it you know and yeah you know that old saying behind every good man is a great woman it's true it's not always true for everybody but i but i can say for me it is my wife is my yeah. rock i mean to put up with me three three different rehabs all the crazy shit I put her through and she's still here that, you know, there's, what was she like? What was she like when you started drinking the last time? Was she like, um, she was, she was like, well, when, when we first started dating, she didn't think it was a problem. She thought it was more of a social thing. Then when I went to treatment and then I relapsed again, then she was like, okay, this is serious. Once we had our first, um, I was good for a few months and then I started to fall off again. Um, and then when we had our second, the same thing happened again. And she was just like, look, I get it. Relapse is kind of par for the course. She's like, but you're, you know, I just don't want you to die, number one. And number yeah. two, I never want the girls to see you like this. So we made a pact. Like if I ever relapse and I was home, tell her and just go get a hotel. So I don't have to have my kids see me like that. And I've never... I've never been drunk in front of my kids. I never plan on being drunk in front of my kids. And <laughs> I wish I could say that. <laughs> I mean, you know, I say it's not for everybody. And Natalie, I'm, my wife, my my kids don't know that I've ever been drunk. They know that I drink, but they don't. My wife's been drunk in front of them. And I remember one time they're like, how come dad never gets drunk? And I was like, whoa, that's interesting. Yeah, you're like, role reversal. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, mom gets wasted. She's got a problem. Yeah. What's, oh, yeah. A, <laughs> what's it look like getting off stage now versus getting off stage 18 years ago um wow um some things hurt more um definitely uh 
but it's kind of now that there's been this resurgence me personally i feel like i don't want to get off the stage like i'm never done <laughs> like i every after every show since this new tour started a year and a half ago at we do our final bow everybody goes off i always sneak back up when the house lights come up and i just stand there like this and just look at everybody and the crowd goes nuts, and then I run off. And the guys are like, oh, my God, you have to get the last lap. I'm like, no, man, I'm just taking it in. Yeah. I'm taking it in because it could be gone tomorrow. And the fact that we're getting to do this on the level that we're getting to do it again, take it in, guys. Like, let's Dude. embrace this shit, man. Because, again, you know, we've been given a true second chance. It doesn't happen for groups like us ever. All the other groups I like think, us are. <clears throat> I think your touring is going to be so fucking big when things get back to normal. <clears throat> well, yours, you would hope be because closer. people want to get out. People want to. People love concerts. People love music. People love to see stand up. People love to laugh and to sing and to forget about the nine to five for two hours a night and go be with friends and just have a good time. Like, you know, whenever this thing is finally over, you're absolutely right. It's going to be, you know, I think there's still going to be some people that are scared to go out, that are scared to be in big, large groups. But yeah, of course, there will be the others that are like, oh, my God, thank you. I, I just want to go and listen to music or go and laugh and just forget about this, you know, this 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 moment in time that we'll never forget. Like, no one, oh. you know, we're. Years down the road, we're going to be like, remember how 2020 started out great? Isn't it awesome? You know? And it's just like, you know, and I feel bad for like our, our kids because like, you know, we can kind of process these things a little bit better. We can deal with it. Mommy and daddy can talk it through. We can figure out what to do. We don't necessarily need to always be doing something with our hands, but our kids, like, it was kind of sad the other day, like, my daughter's first day back at dance on zoom and she hadn't seen her friends in weeks and just to see them, but she can't actually hug them. Like it was sad. It was cool. Oh yeah. But it's sad. Like we're, we're, we're doing this thing on Thursday where all of the teachers are going to, like all the students are going to go back to the school. We can get out in front of our cars, but that's it. And then all the school teachers are going to do a parade and wave at their students, which I think is just the coolest thing in the world is they miss their teachers. Yeah. The resilience has been fucking fascinating. It really has. Like I've, um, I've in the process of working on doing something with myself and iHeart right now. We're still talking about it, but I'm going to try to start launching this thing called homeschooling with the stars and reaching out to a lot of my celebrity friends I'm going to reach out to you and like, we're now friends, bro, sneaker bros, Florida bros. But I just to have celebrities teach kids and their families, like a science class or a, a PE class or whatever, and just really spread some positivity and then link it to all the charities that we can to help the first responders and those on the front lines. So I'm hoping that we can get this thing started next week. So that's great. You know, I have a weird question that I've always Nothing's wondered. ever weird for me, bro. Believe me, I've heard most everything. What's up with Brian and Kevin? They're such fucking anomalies. They're so different. They're cousins. 
<laughs> are they cousins? Yes, Kevin's mom and Brian's dad are brother and sister. Bro, they're two of the people that like it's like I think everyone knows you everyone knows that like you Nick and Howie kind of it, it's interesting because Kevin's one they're like strikingly good looking as well as Brian. They're just like really good looking guys, but they've always kind of like they're like weird humble celebrities. Like they just kind of don't stand out and try to get the limelight the way like a natural celebrity does. It's it's they well, Kevin, well, like, like I said, they're both cousins. Um, you know, they come from highly athletic backgrounds. Kevin was like the, you know, football kid. And Brian's good at every fucking sport. And I hate him for that. But because um, I'm not athletic at all. Golf is the only sport I'm really good at. Golf and bowling. Golf and bowling. Hey. <laughs> Those are my sports. And, you know, people joking say to me those aren't sports i'm like no they're they are sports okay <laughs> heard this thing called the pga or the pba that's yeah um but they're just two really kind of like we're all southern boys like when i say i'm a southern boy and somebody says where are you from i'm like florida they're like that's not southern i'm like that's as south as you can get fucking get a map magellan we're more south than texas <clears throat> so yeah yeah um but kevin and brian are both from louisville and lexington kentucky you know, they grew up in church. Um, they're just like hometown boys, you know, and they're just very kind of, I mean, Brian behind closed doors can be very um, assertive as well as Kevin. Kevin's the oldest. So, and he's a, he's a, he's a different level of perfectionist than the rest of us. Really? So behind closed doors, they're both very assertive, very passionate. And believe it or not, a lot of times they've, bonk heads because they're family but they're both like doppelgangers like they're very much the same so if the two of them start going at it about something the three of us are just like we're gonna go down to catering now and when you're done just come tap me on the shoulder but each of us brings a different something like believe it or not brian is not not so much anymore he's a little older now but he was always the clown like he was always the goofball all, he can do voices, Donald Duck having sex, which is one of the funniest things you'll ever hear in your life. Um, like, you know, and Kevin has always been that older, that older brother, you know, mentality. Like, I have to take care of you guys. I have to look out for you guys. And it's like, we have to look out for each other. Howie, yeah. Howie's the sweet one. That's why we call him Sweet D. He's the little Latin lover. Howie and I are both Latino. I got named the bad boy because what? Because I got tattoos and I colored my hair. This is before I ever touched a drink or a drug. And I'm the biggest pussy in the entire group. Like I have the biggest heart. You did get labeled. You Well, you and Nick. Nick, I think, came into it later. But you you definitely got labeled the bad boy. I and did. I always thought it was because your beard choices. I mean, maybe. Well, I mean, I used to do my own thin beard back in the day. That was before I ever was introduced to a straight razor. Thank God I would have probably killed myself back then by accident but um you know nick was the young one but uh, yeah i got labeled the fucking bad boy and i'm like if you only knew how anti-bad boy i am it's it's like night and day like i'm the biggest pushover i i've gotten better i can now i'll now i feel more like i can speak my mind i can not just go along with things i'm like no listen this is my opinion 
take it or leave it. But before I would just go with the flow to not rock the boat. But it's just amazing to me now how we've all come full circle and how some positions have changed. Like when it comes to music, maybe on a certain song, people are kind of following me and Howie and our, uh, and like our vision or it's Kevin and Nick's vision. And it's, 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 it's constantly evolving, which is what's so great about a group like us is that, well, we're, we're, we always try to have the same backstreet sound, which is our sound, but sonically, musically, lyrically, production wise, we always want to keep evolving and keep trying new things and changing. And we come from a diverse background of music. I mean, Nick back in the day was bumping Bone Thugs and Harmony and Biggie. And I'm listening to CCR and Three Dog Night. And it's like, what? How's this ever going to work? And now it's the opposite. Nick's gone back to classic rock and I'm listening to hip hop. And then I never liked hip hop, but now I love it. You know, so yeah. it's, it's interesting. It's a very, very interesting dynamic. What are your kids listening to? Um, right now, both my girls are obsessed with Lady Gaga. Um, like obsessed. <laughs> um, but what I think is awesome is my oldest daughter's first album that she learned word for word was Frankie Valley. Um, after Frankie Valley, I introduced her to Bowie. Then my wife is the biggest Beatles fan you'll ever meet. Um, knows every song by heart, knows the history, knows everything. So Beatles was next. And then Daddy's group came in. And that was a big thing for both my girls for the longest time. But now it's kind of Gwen Stefani, um, you know, a, a, a lot of females, but also my oldest thinks that, that Zach Efron is a is a god, as most girls do. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what I loved was as a family, we all were obsessed with the greatest showman soundtrack, which is one of the best movie soundtracks I think of all time. Really? Such an amazing movie. I've never watched a movie. Is the movie it's good? It's amazing. The music is amazing because what is so genius about the guys that wrote that, that also did La La Land, every song on that movie could be on top 40 radio. Like that's how they write music that's theatrical, but it's still very like contemporary and it could be literally played on kiss right now, which is what is so freaking awesome about it. It's a great, great movie. Great movie. Oh, I got to watch that. Yeah. We just watched cats. I thought it was good. I everybody's bashed it, but I'm like, that was, I love you. Gordon. I thought it was good. It was good. That was the first play that I ever saw my first trip to New York when I was eight years old. And I fell in love with theater even more than I already, because I was doing musical theater already, but I had never seen like a Broadway play and cats was the first one I ever saw. And then Phantom of the Opera was, was my next one. And I was fortunate enough to see Phantom of the Opera in San Francisco when it was Michael Crawford and Sarah Brightman's last show. And, and that, that's the original duo. That's the original Phantom, the original Christine. And it was unbelievable. And I have been so passionate about doing Broadway at some point. Uh, I know Joey's done it. Brian's son, Bailey, did Broadway three or four years ago. Like, I'm like, I got to do it at least once. Something. And if I do, my first pick would be to, to be Dr. Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> I, I put, put me in drag. I will do it. Because I actually wore a dress 
at my wedding and six inch heels to cut our cake. My wife had a tux on. I had a corset, six inch Louboutin heels and a full dress made. We've got married normal, but then, you know, we try to jazz it up a bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Her, her, her Greek Orthodox side of her family, they were not having that. They wouldn't even take a picture <laughs> with me. I'm like, all right, all right. So what's the rest, what's the rest of your day look like today? Uh, well, it's raining right now, but, um, yeah, I is. did, I did promise my girls that we would go in the pool and I told them that the best time to go in the pool is when it's raining. Dude, that's a Florida thing right it there. The You're right. It's the best time to go because the pool's at 95 right now and it's cold outside, but we're probably going to do, uh, we've been cooking dinner together as a family every night on Saturdays. Now we've started this thing, which we never used to do called, we, we, we're calling it sophisticated Saturday where my daughter picks the meal. We eat on our dining room table, which we never eat on except for Christmas or Thanksgiving. Um, but the rest of the day is just going to be chill. I've got my, uh, my zoom AA meeting at four 30 and then, uh, we'll just probably do dinner and watch, watch movies. And just, uh, my wife and I are obsessed with, I know it's an older show, but it's new for us. A show called new girl. It's phenomenal. It is hilarious with Zoe. Wait, is new girl is a new. No, I'm thinking of uh, Kimmy Schmidt. I think I know new girl, new girls with, um, Zoe, Zoe Deschanel. And oh it, yeah. Zoe Deschanel. Is it amazing. is hilarious. So this is the ultimate show for me, though. If you can see that, uh, it's a quote from the show. Uh, friends. Is that from Friends? Friends. I had never seen one episode in my entire life. And about six years ago, my wife introduced me to it. And now to this day, I could pick any episode, any season, put it on mute, line for line, word for word. I, I quiz me on anything. I will get it right. Dude, I was like that. I, f- I discovered news radio late in life. Oh, good show. And news radio. Andy Dick it was a fucking genius. Yeah. Andy was, Dick, Phil Hartman, Rogan. It was fucking out, out of this world. That was a great show. I remember, like, growing up for me, Golden Girls was one of my all-time favorites. Oh, bro. Don't even bring up Golden, Golden Girls. Golden Girls, that was my grandmother and I's show. My grandfather, for me and him, after dinner, was... The original Star Trek, um, and then the Benny Hill show, and yep, and then I became a huge fan of the Carol Burnett show, and I saw, and I totally agree. Somebody sent me a link to something that said the greatest skit on the Carol Burnett show ever, and it's just called The Dentist, and it is by far one of the greatest skits on the show, just like on Seinfeld. In my opinion, the greatest episode is the golf ball with the uh, whale. Whale. And the whole scene at the diner is one of the greatest jokes. And even Seinfeld said it's one of the best jokes ever that he ever wrote. And I think it's totally true. So when so when do you guys know when you'll go back touring? Do you know what, what um, when you know? You know, funny enough, I talked to my team this morning. We're kind of waiting probably another couple of weeks, and then we'll start really getting into it. Live Nation, who reps us and all the other tours that got taken down, you know, it's a shit show over there right now, I'm sure. Just trying to figure out what's going to happen, who's going to go out when, where, um, so that, that, you know, they can't flood the market in one, you know, region. Um, But we'll see. I mean, you know, uh, would I love to go back on the road? Yes. But 
obviously safety first and I want to make sure everyone's good. But, um, you know, again, I'm never home. So the fact that I get to be home for an undisclosed amount of time, I'm going to take advantage of it and play with my kids and just rock out and have fun and enjoy it, man. Enjoy it. Dude, I feel like God gave me a break on my body to take some time, get some sleep, work out, eat healthy, don't booze spend time with my kids. I'm, I'm trying to, t- I get a little panicked at times going like, you know, fuck, I just put out this special. I want to tour behind it. I want to like, I want to go out. I want to hit all the markets, but like, you know what you get like 10 weeks home and then maybe you get another two years on your life. Who knows? Yeah. Right. Where is uh, home for you here? LA. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah. when all the dust settles, we got to hang out. We got to talk sneakers and, uh, I would love to have you and the uh, wife over, man. Just come over and kick it. We I would love shoes, that. Man. I would love that. Well, when, do you know, are you doing an LA date? Do you guys know if you're doing an LA um, date? Well, as of right now, the last, the last three dates, we're going to be at the Hollywood bowl, which is in October. So if oh. we don't do the first half and we are able to do the second half, then that's our only LA dates. I got to take the girls to go. Oh, to for sure. For sure. On me, I'll take care of everything for sure. No, no, I'll, I'll, dude, I, I can't fucking wait. It's this has been show. such a blast talking to you, man. It dude, really has been. Absolutely, feel the same, man. Definitely stay in touch. Like, this is just like two dudes talking. I love it. You know. Yeah, it's. I, well, I, I love to have you when, when we get back up and running with, you know, social distancing out. Have you over to the house do a podcast in the man cave? Done. I could talk to you for hours, man. You're really? like, like I said, you are that. You are that that stamp of time in my life where where I where whenever I turned on the TV it was you, you know? And so well, I'll you. never forget starting comedy, listening to Backstreet. Well it's just Thank you, man. And and you know what? I'm gonna watch your special tonight. So uh good deal. Fuck yeah. Well, thank you for doing this, brother. Dude, Stay safe. You too, brother. Cheers, man. Awesome. Thank you. Later. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.